Hello, my name's Steve Mackey, and I'm the host of In The Game, Qatar's first sports podcast. It's a special day for us. It's the start of season seven. And we've got Andres, who's a co-founder and CEO of Hot Switch. Hot Switch are going to change things on a global basis. They're going to interact with TV stations where they're going to create fan engagement with quizzes, with chats, and so much more. So come on, let's get started. Hello and welcome to In The Game, Qatar's first sports podcast. And today we have Andres. Andres, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Andres, just so you know, Andres is part of the QST. Um, he's one of the cohorts and really, you ca I can't wait to get this started. So Andres, welcome to the show and thank you for coming on. Thank you, Steve, for having me and for having Hotsuit. Excited to share our story. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, how this all began. So Hot Switch in and of itself, um, it was three of us co-founders. Um, all of us come from a background in either media or technology. And so myself and my, and my CTO, Ravel, we both come from technology. We've worked at companies like Google, Disney Technology. Um, and we actually met at Disney. Um, and uh, honestly, working on projects that involved um, entertainment experiences. And to us, it's always been really core to, to what we love to do. And our third co-founder, Leo, um, actually comes from the entertainment sector. He's been a, he's a, he's an industry veteran. He's been a production director at, uh, at Disney Media, at HBO Latin America. He worked at NBCU. And so um, I think it was just the, the, the cross-section of those uh, interests um, that, that really led us down the path of like, well, how, how can we make these stories and these different uh, the television events more immersive? How can we make them more interactive? How can we get audiences engaged in it? Um, and so it started a few years back uh, with us kind of prototyping different ways for, for audience fan chats and stuff like that. And eventually it grew into what is Hot Switch today. You have, I'm, I'm just listening to the backgrounds. You've got Google, Disney, that you've had jobs with. What made you that your life's going to be quite nice just to stay with where you were. What it must, you must have been all very confident in, in coming together. Yes, I would say. So another part of the background that I guess I didn't share is really all three of us founders. And in fact, everybody in our company now um, happens to be um, an immigrant um, and born elsewhere. Most of us from Venezuela or Brazil and, we kind of have that background where um, because we live now in the United States, we all kind of had to emigrate. We all had to kind of build us a life from scratch. And it's something that that we've grown to be comfortable with. Um, the idea of like, let's start something new and let's see how it goes. Um, and maybe that's kind of what what sparked that entrepreneurial um, spirit in us. Um, but but yeah, we we all took that background where we learned a lot. And honestly, where we saw other people kind of being super successful and doing what they do, because I tell you, when I went to Google, I was surrounded by a lot of uh, coworkers who already had their own startups going on on the side. Um, and so that kind of uh, inspired me, at least personally, like, you know, I can, I can, be, I can be building something on my own. And um, I think uh, my, my fellow co-founders would feel the same um, in their background. And so anyways, that's kind of what took us down this path of let's build something that we believe in and something that we want to grow and hopefully um, get uh, endorsement from the community as well. The name, who came up with the name? Hot Switch is actually a television technical term. Um, and our co-founder Leo is the one who came up with it. Hot Switch means 
Uh, hot switch is that that intersection between when a show ends, um, a TV show, typically like a series finale, and it cuts directly into a next show, the, the premiere of a, a next show, with no commercials in between. That's called a hot switch. Um, and it's just so dynamic and it's just so fun and we really love the word. So we just stuck with it and we, we, we definitely uh, used it quite a bit. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. Where, where, tell us about your, your, um, your application, your platform. Tell us about what you do, what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. So Hot Switch is, um, I, I like to say Hot Switch is like bringing Facebook Live or, or YouTube Live into your apps. Um, it's a it's a plugin. It's an SDK um, that activates fan experiences like live chats, trivia,s polls, uh, even like sports data, but inside of your apps. And so our clients really are enterprise. We're a B two B company, and we work with partners um, right now from Latin America to Europe who have their own platforms where they stream content. Um, for instance, in Latin America, we have uh, in Mexico, the second largest TV network there, TV Azteca, um, integrated hot switch for their, uh, their streaming app across the entire region. Um, and so when a viewer enters their app to go watch a content, let's say it's a reality TV show or a sport, um, they can now join live chats with other fans. They can uh, participate in games and trivias, win prizes, et cetera. And all of that really is uh, to, to keep them engaged in the app so they don't go and have those conversations and, 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 and that social data leaves off to like Twitter or Facebook. We'd rather keep it inside of the app um, and, and make sure that the, the television network has, it's uh, on top of that, right, is owns that data. So you're basically going to keep them on in, in, your, in your program so that you could feed them um, different bits of information or get them involved in different games or, or interactions? And they're getting yes. the whole experience. Yeah, it's, it's user retention, 100%. Um, but the, the byproduct of that, obviously, beyond user retention is now the advertise or, or the, the TV network gets to monetize on those experiences as well. Um, it could be via in-app purchases. They could um, bring in ad sponsors, um, even subscription. Um, so the, the effect, the net effect of having your audience stay on your app longer is can you monetize off of that experience as well? And can you also keep the data um, and, and use it to your advantage so that when you go, when a user finishes a show, maybe you can tell them, hey, because you like this and because you had this conversation, um, we can recommend that you'll also like this other show. Um, and kind of begin to use data to your advantage to to expand on the experience inside of your apps. And it's it's a little bit of service too. So you're you're giving a customer another customer experience, another service to your potential consumer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely becoming even a bigger thing nowadays because, at least um, across a few different countries, the United States certainly there's a huge competition for uh, OTT platforms. Here in the states, we have Disney Plus, Netflix. Uh, Apple TV Plus, HBO Max, et cetera, et cetera. And so all of these apps really at the end of the day just offer content, um, linear content. And so if you're one of these companies and you're trying to stay ahead of the game, you're going to want to diversify those experiences, right? You're going to want to offer more than just the streaming. Um, and you've seen that um, uh, Amazon Prime TV just uh, launched a beta program of uh, a group watch. Disney also launched a group watch. And so everybody's kind of getting into that stage where they're trying to diversify the experience. So to your point, yes, what Hot Switch offers 
is is the exact solution that helps you bring in a new type of experience and and hopefully offer something better than your competitor yeah because i i kind of i've only noticed this evening and and i know that we were going to have the chat but i i noticed this evening that that i went to watch something on finish something watching on netflix and then once I finished on Netflix, I'd gone. I'd moved on to Facebook or I'd gone on to LinkedIn or I'd gone on to my, my, my attention had gone somewhere else. Instead of if they had something that they could have kept me there, I would have stayed on that channel. Yeah, yeah. And well, the, the, if, you, if you take a look at that behavior, um, when you go off to Facebook or, or, or go off to any other kind of uh, engaging uh, like a game or something like that. Like those types of things are essentially other ways of, of you uh, finding entertainment that could live within uh, within Netflix or within any of the apps that you're, that you're watching TV on. And so um, here in the States, there was a very popular game uh, app as uh, recently, and I think it's still around. It's called HQ Trivia. Um, and honestly, when we went to, and it's a game where essentially on your phone at 9 p.m. Um, every day, there's like, uh, a trivia goes up and it's live and you're watching a live host um, who is asking you questions and you're participating for prizes. Um, and that uh, that uh, game, when it launched, became a very popular kind of mechanism that a lot of uh, networks were looking for. And so one of our clients, Devi Azteca, the one in Mexico, asked us to, to recreate a similar experience for them. Um, and so really with the goal of let's take advantage of things that are going on out there and build them inside of our app, but without us having to have the infrastructure in place. Can we just like launch a plugin that does it for us? And that is what we've built. And that's what we, what we continue to expand on is that really seamless, easy experience to launch a, a new way for our audience to engage inside of your platform. How did you get involved with uh, Qatar Sports Tech? Um, well, as we continued working on sports, honestly, we've we've really honed in on sports and reality TV as the segments that are the most engaging for audiences in real time. When you're watching sports, it's usually not pre-recorded. You're watching it live, and and you are one of millions of viewers watching alongside you. And so, um, sports became one of our big focuses for that reason. It also is a a segment where the audience is very predisposed to to spending on whether it's um, to make the experience better, to get exclusive access to new content. Um, and so we, uh, one of our uh, clients uh, in Europe is Liga CB, which is a basketball league. Um, and uh, with them, we really started optimizing for that sports experience. We brought in sports data, sports analytics, so that when a user is watching the game, they can also not only just chat with other fans, but like they can swipe left. And now you can see the data, you can see the real time play-by-play, play, the team roster, all of that hot switch brings in. Um, and so as we developed uh, that, that experience to be much more sports-focused, then uh, we were reached out to through, I think, through the Liga Civil Partnership um, into Qatar Sports Tech. Um, and they said, well, you apply for this program. Let's see if you, you guys may be a good fit for um, everything that's going on in Qatar, looking towards the World Cup, obviously, right? Qatar is going to be a hub of sport in the coming years. And that to us was a huge opportunity, something that we had to definitely um, look into. And thankfully uh, we were onboarded. How have you found, found the program so far? Have you found it interesting? Yeah, we, um, we, we kicked off immediately um, more on the sales and investment side. 
Um, and obviously, like like any accelerator, like any incubation program, startups come in from different stages. And there are some startups that have a, a great idea that they're working on and, and creating an MVP. We came in the, the unique position that we already had kind of a product built out um, and we had live paying clients. And so our focus has been completely just to expand in the market, to try to penetrate the market in, um, and also find investment funding. So uh, to that end, we started on two um, trials with uh, Qatar Sports Tech Partners um, that I would be cautious to say their name. So I'll, I probably will avoid it this no, time No, don't around. say them. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But, but um, they requested proposals, uh, which we submitted and, and they approved. And so now we're in, in the early conversations of, of kicking off with their technical teams and hopefully beginning to offer them something to test out in, uh, internally. So it's looking good on our end. The other side of that is obviously the investment side. Um, and we're looking forward to our demo day when we get to really speak with investors uh, and hopefully get a few uh, partners on board to help us uh, scale quickly. It's it's a fantastic organisation and it's it it really will change change a lot of lives, um, yeah, fantastic. Now, what I wanted to talk to you about was um, uh, obviously esports, and the esports is one of those disruptors, and I, I, they're they're disrupting so much because it's all with I won't say all, but you're you're playing it's a gamers place, and they're all playing these different games, so. I don't think people realize, especially in the sports and especially with COVID, that esports is growing so quickly. It's untrue right now. I think somebody was telling me that it's a $1.4 billion industry and it's growing by 40% each year, which is just staggering. You've got the best of both worlds. So you're helping these football clubs actually fight back against this in making sure that you could have the interaction with their sports games as well as as well as be on the side of esports, do you do you find your, the luxury of that? Do you see the luxury of that? Yes. Well, honestly, so esports is in many ways um, has validated and proven the in-app purchase model of of streaming media uh, or just media in general. Um, if you look at a game like Fortnite, for instance, um, one of many very very popular games at the moment, who is monetizing extremely well. The reason that it's happening is because they found a way to expand the storyline so that when, I, when a gamer comes in and begins to play, maybe um, right now I've only play, paid for the game or if it's Fortnite, it's free. The game is free. But, um, but now I can buy, I can purchase skins, I can purchase expanded storylines, new ways to interact with characters. But all of that um, be, begins to create and diversify new, like the revenue streams that, that I as a game creator have. Um, and so that model really is what I think television should aspire to and what I think television will end up being in the near future um, is interactive storylines. Um, and and it's, this is quite obscure because it's, I think this only has happened in the US so far, but Netflix has actually experimented with interactive storytelling. Um, there have been series like uh, there was recently uh, a couple of years ago, a black, mirror um, experience, like a, a movie where you could go in and watch and you could select as you watch on Netflix, what path you were gonna take of the story. And, and so obviously that wasn't monetized. You didn't have to pay extra for that, but we think that's really the avenues that television is gonna have to take in the coming years to really take advantage of the users that are watching um, or, 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 or take advantage of the interactions that they want. Because 
subscription as a as a revenue stream right now as a business model is not necessarily profitable when you look at a company like netflix um even apple and disney like in the streaming game they're investing significantly in content to raise subscriptions um but really it's not profitable they're operating at a, at a at a loss all that investment is going into content but it's it's returning revenues but not profits quite yet and so Really, I think the turning point for television is going to be when it becomes a bit more like esports and a bit more like gaming, where really it takes advantage of the fact that there are millions of users watching and, and, and creates experiences around that, right? Around the fact that there are so many people watching and hopefully trying to interact with others or, or trying to interact with the story that they're consuming. But I think you've got the best of both worlds here. You can kind of, you can bring the two together really nicely. And, and it, it looks like, who is your best um, customer who's if there was some an ideal customer a consumer out there right now who's who should be looking at you and saying i need to talk to these guys honestly i think it's going to be in the sports world and i think it's going to be in the sports world because it is as a as a content type it really is the intersection between gaming um and, and, and traditional television um and to your point it is the one where like it wouldn't be too much of a of a of a jarring uh, or, or cognitive dissonance to really go in and expect that while you're watching a, a, a sport, you may also be able to participate in a game. Maybe uh, maybe you get to bet on the teams. Maybe you get to pick your side. Maybe you get to kind of uh, you know uh, purchase like different add-ons um, or, or, or quote-unquote skins. Maybe it's the jersey of the team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that really is going to be it. Um, and so that's got, that, honestly, that's what got us really excited about the World Cup coming up is, um, is that is such a highly universal, highly global event. Um, and I think there's a huge amount of opportunities there for us. So I think that's kind of where we're, we're going to be targeting uh, over the next year and a half. I think with the the way that the the, um, the the world is at the moment with with um, having less fans going to the stadiums, I think you're you're going to fit right into that niche. And another thing is that, that the way that you're going to help is bring that next fan base, because I I was talking to somebody the the other day and I was I was joking that I could remember back to the stage I couldn't have been no more than five or six, and I went to my first football game, and I was looking through the railings at my. Bristol City, which probably a lot of people will not hear, have heard about, but they are second in the championship, by the way. Um, but it, there's got to be a new way of bringing those fans into the clubs now. And it's, it's about that retention or, or finding the new fans to get them experience in, in what they that, get, uh, that club represents. It's, it's going to be phenomenal. Um, and, and as you said, then to sell merchandise and get them interacted with, with the way that you want to lead that consumer is going to be even better. It's like, how did you, how did you all come? What was it? How did you, your team, your founders, did, was it a light bulb moment or had you been thinking about this for quite some time? We had, there's a there's a bit of a mix there because we had all wanted to experience um, a new way to tell stories, um, and that and we focused on that from the very from the get go. But honestly, it wasn't a light bulb moment how it would come together. It, it was more a trial and error in a lot of different um, ways because 
we started the company as a B2C. We started the company thinking, hey, we'll launch something out there to the app store and, and hopefully by or organically and maybe with some ads, we'll be able to start raising audiences to download our app and play inside of our apps and, and watch content inside of our apps. But it doesn't work that way because first of all, to acquire content, there's a whole licensing uh, world out there that is extremely um, already very robust um, and it's not easy for a newcomer to enter. Um, and then there's also the, on the other side of it, there's a whole world of social media, social engagement. We would have to have competed with, with Twitter, with Facebook, um, to try to raise audiences to download our app. And so as we kind of continue to develop this idea, um, there was a point in time when we decided the problem really isn't ours. Uh, the problem belongs to the media distributors, the, the, the content owners, TV networks, sports, uh, broadcasters who have those audiences already in their apps in the millions, um, but they're not engaging them in there. And, and, and as a result, those audiences are going to, like I said, to Facebook and to Twitter to talk about their content. And guess what? Then Facebook and Twitter gets to monetize off of that because then they, you know, they serve ads and, and they, they add in-app experiences and stuff like that. And so now um, Facebook and Twitter really are taking advantage of the conversations around the content that you own. And so that, that's when we realized really the problem is, is, is theirs. And we, if we package what we've built into a, a plugin that they can have and activate on inside of their apps, um, then we are actually, sell, we, we have a unique value proposition. We are solving something for the market. Um, and in the process, we also get to focus on the technology, which is what we do best and not have to raise millions of viewers for our own app. Um, and so that's kind of how it, it was a bit of a trial and error, like I said, to get to the point where we are, but we think we're very comfortable with this product market fit that we found um, in a B2B space, which is not as sexy as being a, a B2C, but um, for us, I think it's, it's a very comfortable spot to grow quickly. Where do you, where does your founders see yourself in the next one year? So um, us, we are honestly, like I said, targeted completely onto, onto sports. Um, and so for us, if we're able to launch two to three large scale um, sports partnerships uh, via live events, kind of like the one that we have in Spain, um, we, are, we are golden, we are solid. That's exactly what we wanna do is we wanna prove that model. Um, and then continue to expand the market to regional, uh, re regional events. Like we have, for instance, in Latin America, we have Conmebol's uh, Copa America, which is, is similar to the UEFA. It's the Latin American um, sports uh, conference. And, and for us, that, uh, that is kind of what we want to do is begin to, to target these particular markets and, and launch activations for those events. Your, your application, and I'm just thinking about it now, there is no limits, right? There, there just isn't any limits to any sports. You could be out there with sports clubs, leagues. It's, it's, you're unstoppable. Yeah, and, and there is a behind-the-scenes uh, factor that I think drives even more excitement for us, which is the, the fan data, right? The, the understanding of because we're powering an experience that lives on multiple apps across multiple different companies, we, we, we have the luxury of being able to gather an understanding of that fan, whether it's regarding sports or their favorite TV shows, kind of what they prefer to watch. Um, 
we can offer an experience that that seems much more intuitive and much more custom tailored to that fan. Um, and, but that, that obviously requires being integrated across many, many different clients. Uh, but I just think there is a pinnacle there, like once we have that, where we can really massage the data and take advantage of it and, and make sure that we build experiences based off of it that are next level, right? Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever look at yourself and, and, and think to yourself, my word, I've come such a long way and I've learned so much in a short space of time. It's honestly hard to really grasp it on a regular basis, but there are times where I make, I make it a point actually with my entire team and we, we all talk together and I mentioned to them, hey guys, when you look at across the board at B2B startups where they begin, how they most regularly end, most startups don't get to the stage where they have launched a product that is sold like and, and activated inside of, of large enterprise. Um, and so that in and of itself is a massive accomplishment. Um, we, we got to the point where we have something that, that is actually live empowering interactions. Um, and so definitely we, we try not to take it for granted. I try to make sure that uh, we recognize how huge of an accomplishment it is. We know that the the road to uh, the startup path is not over for us and there's still a lot of hurdles that we're gonna have to come across and, and, and beat, but um, just taking the time to acknowledge where we are now, I think is always important. And talking about the startup path, let's, uh, let's help some startups out there. What's been the most difficult, difficult things that you've had to overcome? I think, you know, when you and I first spoke, um, uh, a couple, like a week back, um, we were talking about this and, and just in general, you asked me um, if I had had doubts uh, or, you know, how many times have I had doubts about the startup? And really my answer then, and it's still the same, it's, um, I think it's regular, um, honestly. And as and for somebody who's starting a company today, um, I, would, I would just emphasize that, that there are regularly, um, moments of doubt on whether you can um, you can close a sale, whether um, a, an activation is going to go correct, um, and what happens if it doesn't, and, and you begin to really doubt um, uh, how, like, the, 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 uh, whether the company can survive, and that happens often, um, and I think it's a matter of realizing and knowing that a startup really is a marathon and it's not a sprint. Um, and, and every startup has its own unique path and unique timelines and unique ways to succeed. It's unique North star, right? It's unique metric to look up to. Um, and we tend to look at, uh, we tend to watch content like, like HBO Silicon Valley and kind of, we tend to put like the startup scene in one bucket and like this is, it's gotta be two years, we have to have this many clients or this many monthly active users, this much investment, et cetera, et cetera. And it really doesn't work that way at the end of the day. Um, it's, uh, it, it is a marathon and, um, and you're gonna get a lot of no's along the way from, uh, from investors to clients to potential partners. Um, and, but, at, but at the end of the day, it takes one guess um, among those to, to keep you going and to, and to make progress. Um, and so I, I, that's what I would say is there, there has to be a very uh, strong um, mental will to continue on and to find the right way to, to succeed. 
I love the way you talk about your team. I've always, from that, that day one that we started talking, and we've, we've had a few talks now, um, but it's, it's, it's all about the team. How and, and again, for startups out there, how, how many did you start with and how many people have you got in your team? And how important is that team? Well, when we started, it was just the three co-founders. Um, and honestly, there was a point a couple of years back where we, so when we started, we each had our own jobs um, and, and we left those jobs at the right time, obviously, but we left those jobs and uh, we went to live in San Francisco for another incubator out there um, where we raised some investments. Uh, we were able to then begin to grow a team um, and so along the way, we've had engineers and it's international because like I said, we're immigrants. And so we have had contacts, um, outside of the States too, that, uh, are just great phenomenal, de uh, developers, engineers, um, even in the sales side who have helped us. Um, and so along the way, we've gotten a team, like we've gotten to work with, uh, I believe 12 people of which a couple of them were contractors who eventually kind of went off and continued doing their own thing. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's a small but mighty crew. And, and that's what we have to, to this day. They help you get, keep going, right? You, you can't, you haven't got time to, to look at those negative sides. You, you've always got to be leading the way, I suppose now. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and honestly, I think there's a, there are times now where really my focus, because it's become more on the on the partnership side, at, like in Qatar, where um, we've got other, uh, we've got clients and, and other things ongoing. Um, and it really has to be a game of uh, just dividing and conquering, right? And making sure that somebody on the team has got this particular thread rolling while uh, well, somebody else has this other one going. Um, and so that's really been uh, that operational, like that logistics side of it has become crucial and, and very helpful in making sure that we stay on, on top of it all. I, I like sales. I like, I like um, looking after our clients. Okay. That's my, been my, my role for so long. And I know it's yours. Um, what was it like getting that first sale, that, that one that you could remember that, that was the one that it would stay with you forever? Oh, we celebrated it. And, and no, the whole team celebrated it, honestly, because it wasn't, it, us getting a sale was, at first, it was a verbal yes, right? And it was a, yes, we want to do it. Uh, and then it was looking at the proposal and the uh, and the, the timelines, the budgets and everything and said, and then another yes, yes, that works for us, right? Maybe after a bit of negotiation, but that process then became a, okay, we need to get uh a uh, letter of intent signed along with a master services agreement, along with, because we were working with an international partner, it was also, they had to, we had to, to do some tax documents and send them off in like by, like they had to be mailed off to Mexico. And it was a whole, because Tebasteca was our first uh, client. Um, and, uh, and so it, honestly, it was never a, like a quick, yes, we got it. We nailed the client. It was a series of different like steps that we had to, to achieve to get there, um, but we celebrated every step of the way. Um, and I remember us really getting together over dinner um, and, and, and clinking to a huge success for us. And, and it's a client that we have still to this day. So uh, yeah, it's it's definitely one you don't forget. You know, I think you're going to be huge. Um, with with a startup that's out there right now, that from a sports tech perspective, what would be your best advice to them when they're just starting out? 
Like sports tech is um, not as difficult of a world as we make it out to be because sports is still, um, at, at least as far as, uh, as, as streaming and engagement is still uh, uh, in, its, in its early days compared to film, right? And, and, and television, and it's not as operationalized. Um, and so I think there are so many gaps, so many holes uh, that many, many startups could come up with technologies to make uh, the experience better. Um, and, um, and so my, I think my biggest advice is really have a passion for sports, first of all, right? Have a passion for, for the, the, the area, the space that you're getting into um, so that you can learn it um, and, and love it. And, and then just find the opportunity to kind of offer a solution that makes it even better for, for whoever your client is, whether it's the fan or whether it's uh, media enterprise. Um, and, um, but you really have to stick it, you have to stick to it and, and, and dog it and try to, uh, com continue to adapt it and adjust it until the point where it's fine tuned and it's exactly what, uh, your client will want. That's, that's, that is the whole goal, right? Of the MVP, um, mentality is start with something that works, um, and then iterate on it. I, I would definitely recommend, especially in the sports world doing that because, um, we, uh, a lot of people tend to get into the, into the void and, and then just work on something in a silo and then come out with, on the other side with what they believe is perfect, but it isn't. Um, and we've learned along the way that many of the things that we develop, we have to really get it iterated, uh, by clients before we believe that we've landed on the final, uh, version of it. So what would your message yeah. be to be to them? That they're going to take so many no's, right? They're going to say that that's a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah, and I, and that's that's the other side of the coin when it comes to to uh, uh, an area like sports, where like I said, it's early stage as far as like development, um, and because of that, uh, as far as technology development, and because of that, um, people who are in that market, big players today, um, are gonna be a little bit more hesitant because they haven't seen as much innovation. Um, they're going to be a little bit more hesitant um, when something new comes along because they're just not used to that pace of innovation and of trying a lot of new things. And obviously I'm, I'm painting this with a very, very broad brush. Um, but, uh, but I would say, yes, you're going to take a lot of no's. Um, and it's going to also be a lot of um, identifying how to demo um, and, and really communicate your vision um, when somebody else might not understand it uh, just by a written word. Um, and so for us, the, what that has meant is really we've made sure to launch a suite of tools that are our demo uh, tools so that our sales uh, side, whoever is helping us with sales, when they go out, they can easily literally like, like pull up an experience on their phone and screen share it so that our client can see it or our lead can see it. Um, and it's custom branded already. It has their logo, it has everything. And they're, so they're visualizing, they're seeing what hot switch can look like for them. Um, and so I think it's important that you really optimize that flow um, to make it super easy to, to make a sale and, and for your clients to understand what it is that you're selling. Demo deck, when you showed people, when you went for, there was 20 people that pitched on that day um, to get into QST. Um, just tell people how much time that you had to pitch your idea, your concept. Well, it was. So we, we submitted a three-minute pitch video that they presented to everybody. And then they separated us into rooms where we would meet individual 
uh, individuals who would then select us for the program. Um, so out of the, tw the 20 startups that were there, only 10 made it. Uh, but those, uh, those meetings were 10 minutes apiece and they were back to back, they were 10 minutes apiece. And because they were back to back and there were people running around between rooms, we really did not get the full 10 minutes. It ended up being more like five to seven minutes uh, with, with each person. So I'd recommend, you know, really have a, uh, an elevator pitch ready um, and know it so well that you can easily just communicate it and then be able to kind of fill in gaps with Q&A right after. But there isn't much time to, to, to get that message across. And it's so, it must be so difficult to get over the, you've got three minutes, that three minute pitch. What do you put in there? What's the priorities? What are the, the what were the priorities for you when you done your pitch? I think priorities for us, uh, and this, this goes back to what I said earlier. We know that we're coming into an incubator um, at our own unique stage of our startup. We have a product that is live, we have traction. Um, and so, Rather than focus on the traditional startup formula, we said, let's make sure that we are getting across the fact that we have traction, the fact that we are on a path um, to, to succeed by getting more clients. Um, and then let's make sure that we also focus on our background because that's typically, um, not every startup has this, but ours fortunately has a background in the space with a lot of different uh, uh, companies that we've worked at. Let's make sure that that becomes very clear um, and that we have raised investment. And so, I think we, we kind of uh, put together our, our own unique special sauce, our own formula of things that we felt were important for people to know. We made sure that we highlighted those um, and that we then left a little bit of a captivating like cliffhangers to say like, hey, talk to us a little bit more. We'd love to share and hopefully um, answer your questions. And so I, th I think that's really at the end of the day what helped us the most. I'm, I'm definitely gonna, I'm gonna plagiarize something from you and that's a special sauce. I like that, I like that. Um... That's that's brilliant. The special <laughs> sauce, and and I I say sparkle dust. You can you you've got to add it. You've got to have something that stands that makes you stand out from the rest. And the point that you said about the the ten minutes afterwards, that that's the key to it. It's making sure that your pitch deck, no matter how quick how kind of how many minutes it is, you've got to make such an impact that they want to come back to you and and take full advantage of that 10 minutes. And that extra 10 minutes is going to be fundamental to you the way that you go forward. Yeah, yeah. And and that 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 comes down to like that little cliffhanger moment that I that I that I mentioned, right? Like make sure that it is so exciting in those initial three minutes that there is conversation just hanging in the air waiting to be addressed. Right, that somebody wants to come back afterwards and say, "I need to sit down and really talk and learn about this and and how I can be part of it." Honestly, really, the that that conversation needs to be in the in the position where the person that you're talking to wants to be of help. Right, they want to join in. They're not skeptical about you, but rather they're excited about who you are and the path that you have forward. And say, "I want to jump on board." Right, I want to I want to be I want to jump on the magical express and 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 ride this train down. So, and that's kind of what we try to aim for. Where do I give you the cash? When do I give you the cash? And, and, right. and, and that's the biggest thing is it's like, and you, you try to say this to startups and you try to, that, that's doing one of these, these pitching, these pitch decks that, that that's going to be looking for um, some um, investment. Is it, what's the problem? What's your solution? 
And it's like, it's as simple as that. And then, and then to get build credibility and to tell them how the money's going to work out and what you're looking for. And it's just being honest, just make sure that you're very clear in what you're trying to get over. And that's, that's a point that I want to say, how long did it take you to record the, the, the final three minute pitch? Um, for Qatar, it was, there was a unique um, situation with it in that I thought it was initially just the pitch video and then I would send it with the slides. Um, and then I was asked to make sure that the, that the video was timed specifically to each slide and that I could kind of get it. So because they, they put them side by side together. Um, and so it took me a little bit. Um, Come on, uh, tell them how many times you had to practice it. <laughs> I probably did that maybe 20, 25 times, honestly, to make sure that I, I, I had something perfect for the team to then put together next to the slides. But even that I feel like is under, underselling and understating because honestly, we have practiced our pitch in, in throughout the entirety of our startup so many times. It's, it's, it's uncount. We, I could never count it. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely every, with every new feature that we launch, every new minor adaptation, we have to update the slides. We have to change how we pitch. Um, and, and so it's constantly ever evolving. It's something that never stops. You have a magnificent, I think you've got a magnificent um, platform that you're, you're building. And what you've given to, to potential startups now is, is incredible because you've, you've just shared with them um, some of that special source. They've got to work their special source out for themselves, but you've just shared some magnificent things for, for companies to, to try next time when they're doing their pitch. And it is about evolving. It's about listening. It's about learning. It's about trying to kind of better your, your, your position on a daily basis. And we're never, and I know that I spoke on length with you because I can't remember. It was, it must've been about a two hour chat that we had and we just kept on talking because we love what we were both saying to each other. You've got something special and I, I, I can't wait to meet your team. I'm really privileged to have um, had spent some time with you, and I I hope you're going to remember me when you're you're multi multi millionaires, and and <laughs> you can share, say that you shared those moments with me in the beginning. So, but thanks ever so much for coming on the show. I hope you've enjoyed it, enjoyed it. Yeah, Steve, it is. A, I would say it's a special thing anytime that you come across somebody who takes the time and, and the interest to really learn about what it is that you love. And for us, obviously, we love our startup. It's our baby. Um, and, and for us to be able to share about it, um, with somebody who takes interest and wants to also spread the word, um, man, that is a special thing. So thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you so much for helping us share the story and, um, and, and yeah, just for all your thoughts and feedback along the way, I'm excited for the many more conversations we'll have. I, I cannot wait to, I can't, can't wait to meet all of your team. I really can't. And, and it's, it's, I've got the, those, um, the goose, the, the hairs on the back of the neck, because I do think that you've got, you've got something special and it, it's, I'm, I'm just so honored you, you've shared it with me. Thank you. Thank and you, Steve. Looking me, forward to much and more. everybody that's going to listen to this, of course. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much and, and have a great day. I know it's still early with you, but have a great day. You too. Thank you. Everybody, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, again, fascinating. Yeah, anybody that's got that desire, you just go and do it. You can do it. You just got to find people that you can work with and something that you can build on. And once you get that love and feeling, there isn't any barriers. You can just keep on pushing. Anyway, thanks very much, Andres. Thank you for coming to share that time with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, thank you for listening. Please send us your feedback on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 
And don't forget to review us on your favorite podcast app.